Yes. Hi, my name is Adrienne C. Smith. I am the founder of the Can Diversity Collective. And my day job is I'm the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Fleischman Hiller. And you are listening to A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. Yes, absolutely. And you are. And welcome one and all. Now, a little bit more about Adrienne. Prior to joining Fleshman Hillard, she was named the first global director of inclusion and diversity at WPP. And she's also the founder and visionary behind the Can Diversity Collective. So we cannot wait to talk to her about that. In 2018, she launched the first iteration of it and it has grown overnight. When we think about leaders in diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging, it's hard to not mention her name. And on this season of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine, we cannot wait to dive into her background. Adrian, welcome to A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. Thank you for having me. This is uh, late on a evening what that we're recording so it's giving me some energy to be here i'm glad to be here oh yeah you bet now i have to say that you know this season is actually in partnership with ad color and i know that you're coming off the hills of being the dei executive of the year for ad color so and we can just kind of take a little bit you know back and go back down memory lane what was that moment for you let me tell you it was like winning. No, no, no. It was better than winning an Oscar award. Um, <laughs> it just was one of those moments where you really get the feeling of everything that you've done into that point um, has been valued and appreciated and other people see you. So it was an extraordinary moment for me and um, just honored to have received that award. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and rightfully so, because when it comes to putting in the work, I mean, you show up whether it is rain, hot, or even if it's freezing. For any of you that follow Adrian, she's just coming off the hills of the World <laughs> Economic Forum. And I mean, you all were out there in the cold. I can't imagine, but it looked like it was a lot of fun. You know, that was such an important moment for me. You know, we were at the World Economic Forum, which happens in Davos, Switzerland. And the World Economic Forum, if you know, is where the creme de la creme of world leaders come to essentially what they say is to shape what is happening in the rest of the world. So they have this special area where all the world leaders and what they call white badges um, meet. But then on the fringe, down the promenade, there is a plethora or a plethora of events and organizations that meet in, from all over the world, and they really make things happen. So I always say there's power in the fringe, and we were a part of that great um, collective of people out in the world trying to change things. Uh, the first day was January 15th. Okay. And that was actually Martin Luther King Jr.'s 95th birthday. So yes. we were proud to celebrate the King holiday for the first time um, at WEF during the World Economic Forum. And here's the kicker. There's this place, a beautiful place on a mountaintop at the Schatz Alp Hotel, and it's called Snow Beach. And we decided that day on the King holiday to change yeah. the name of Snow Beach to Inkwell Beach for the day, 
while we celebrated and actually launched the first diversity and equity and inclusion uh, beach activation in during WEF. So we made history that day. Wow, absolutely beautiful. And I can only imagine some of the um, insights that probably came out of the meeting of the minds there. So we want to dive into that for sure. But, you know, before we talk about, I think, the amazing accolades that you've received to date, also your position, which I know it's constantly evolving as we think about, you know, the day and age uh, today of AI and diversity and also the role that it plays within an organization. I want to go back to your days at Leo Burnett and the early wow. beginning of your career. I mean, can you tell us what was the state of advertising back then? You know, back in the late 1900s, you know. Oh, no, stop it, stop it. We're talking about someone don't look a day over 30. In the late 1900s, you know, things were a little different. When I started at Leo Burnett, um, I was right out of college. I was a media buyer planner on the Kellogg Group. Um, I was probably one of... Uh, one of one, you know, in this in the media group at the Kellogg at, at Leo Burnett at the, on the Kellogg account, um, and it was uh, just a special place. I'll just say that. But I learned a lot. What was interesting about Leo Burnett was that uh, number one, they would hire all different types of career backgrounds, so you didn't have to have advertising as a background. I was an English major at Spelman College. And they wanted people who they could train. So what I really liked about that place was they had this thing called the pit, which was people in training. And they would train you no matter what background you had, but they would train you on the business of advertising. So you learn all facets of what their business was, which I really appreciated. It really provided like the underpinning of what you would do in your career. Um, what was also important about being at Leo Burnett is I had an opportunity to see some black women within the media departments. Um, there was a black media supervisor, a black associate um, media director, and then there was a black woman, Renetta McCann, who's actually a media director. So I never thought, and I think this might be unique for me, that I could not, you know, be successful in the advertising marketing field because. I always had a beacon of light, someone in a position of power like Renetta McCann, who gave me sort of my guide and light of where I could be and what I could do in the advertising industry. Yeah, I love that you bring that up. And, you know, I think the the power of saying certain names is amazing. Uh, Renetta McCann is actually a friend to the show. Oh, um, actually, I'm an alumni of uh, Carol H. Williams Advertising. So you can imagine that relationship there, yeah. too. But um, yeah, I think that that's really, really important. Um, so, you know, I think seeing it is so important to actually believing that it's something that you can become. And that is a really just an exact correlation to what you have built with um, Ink Inkwell Beach, excuse me. So I would love for you to, um, if you are a, a person that's living under a rock a little bit, maybe, but share <laughs> with our listeners that may not know so much about it, what Inkwell Beach is, um, because I think that that certainly is an event that not only does it, is it um, inspiring to so many of the um, junior level and or people that you bring to it, that you yeah. invite out to be to it, but also too, I think the conversations are so rich and encouraging. Yeah, so let me start by telling you how it all started. Um, yes. 
So before I got to doing this Can Diversity Collective, I actually worked at Howard University. Um, they had a program called the Center for Excellence in Advertising. And that program was created because, you know, as they still talk about today, there was a lack of people of color, specifically black people in the advertising industry in some of those mid to senior level positions. And they were trying to find more creative ways to bring in new talent. Um, so with that program, I had a um, what was called a making a lateral move or a lateral movers program as well as a boot camp. So this lateral movers program trained people that had transferable skills, but from other industries to actually get into the advertising industry. And one of the people that was in that program was Love Malone, and she actually runs the gradient right now, but she was in the pharma industry. She got into our program, ended up working at um, Ogilvy and, um, BBDO, and she was like a global director, and mm -hmm. she excelled to like director level, and you know it's just a pretty amazing career. And we had lunch maybe seven or eight years later, and wow. she sat me down in Harlem, which is where I live, and she said, "You know, Adrian, it's your fault." And I was like, "You know, what are you talking about? I haven't seen you, lady, in like eight years. What do you? I, I didn't do it, right?" Um, so she said, "You know, because of the program." that she participated in, it actually changed her life and it changed the trajectory of what she was doing. And she wanted to be able to give back because that program had done so much for her and she was going to launch her, launch her business in Cannes. And I thought she was talking about the Cannes Film Festival because I had never heard of the Cannes Lions Festival. So she co quickly corrected me and told me she was going to the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity. Um, and I told her immediately that I was going with her. Um, I was actually scheduled to go to Cuba the next day. So I went to Cuba, booked my flight on a really bad Wi-Fi, ended up having to go through uh, Turkey. But I got there. And when I tell you that it changed the trajectory of my life, it mm. did. You know, the energy there was just so, like, rich and amazing. The creativity, you could just feel all the ideas and just the synergies that were happening there. But out of the, say, 20,000 people that were there, only 200 looked like me. Yeah. So, you know, let me say that for the folks in the back, you know. That Please, yes. <laughs> and this was in uh, 2017. But out yeah. of the maybe 20,000 people that were attending the Can Lions Festival of Creativity that year, only 200 looked like me. And I'm a brown-skinned woman because I know this is a podcast. So, you know, person of color, black, you know, no, only 200 looked like me. Um, and that in that year, the conversation was about how could the Cannes Lions Festival be more inclusive? And I mm -hmm. literally thought that was a trick question. And I'm sure many people have heard me talk, tell this story over and over again. But I was like, you know, what do you mean how? You just yeah. have to let people know that this exists, bring more people here, and, you know, it will be more inclusive. So I committed to that year of bringing uh, five people the next year and in 2018. And when I tell you they showed up and showed out, they killed it. I was ear hustling on some of the dean, you know, for the academy's uh, conversation. And they were talking about these two black girls from America who had changed the trajectory of the conversation and brought so much energy into their cohort. And I just had to bust in their conversation and say, excuse me, but who are you talking about? 
And yeah. they said, um, Alex and Jenna. And I was floored because those were two of the girls that I brought to the program that year. Nice. And I just was like, I just in disbelief. And I said, um, had an opportunity to catch up with Jenna. And she said, you know, Adrian, thank you so much for creating this program because now I know that I can compete on an international level. And I also have the option to live somewhere else outside of the U.S. Yeah. So I was like, damn, damn it, I have to do this again, right? So can we, can we, <laughs> we just pause for a second because I think yeah. I want to know what is it that, because I feel like you're able to really identify and foster like high potential in individuals. Some that, you know, some they, they see it and they're on the cusp and others, they don't see it so much, but what 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 are things that you're looking for when it comes to the individuals that are coming with you and or just you know hoping to you know um instill in some of these individuals yeah you know what i i really like risk takers i really like people who can see beyond their current circumstances and people who are willing to dream and just think outside of the box and be creative i you know i think we look for people who um, take no, like it's a vitamin and yes, like, you know, it's just this magical thing this, that gives them a superpower and supercharge them that they're going to say yes to opportunity and be prepared when the opportunity presents itself to them. So any of the young people that come with us, and when I say young, I'm talking about people in their twenties and thirties, you mm -hmm. know, that come, um, to this place and they take full advantage of it. You know, we are, so proud to also say we introduced the first cohort of HBCU uh, students and we're doing an HBCU plus. So some young people from other schools can come as well. Nice. But, you know, they get there. And the key is you're in this on the Mediterranean Sea in the south of France. And if you yeah. don't take advantage of the people whose guards are down because they're here to network as well, you're going to meet the CEO of some major corporation, you know, be willing to put your hand out and say, hi, you know, my name is Adrian C. Smith and I'm blah, blah, blah. Just be able to network and take full advantage of it. Like I insist that you do. I encourage all the young people that if I give you this opportunity so you don't have to live a, I woulda, coulda, shoulda, if I had a life, then you better go there and you better take full advantage of it. Like I, I, I tell every cohort of young people that like, you know, don't make me uh, come again. <laughs> Don't make me come again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, listen. I listen. I Sometimes you got to say it direct. Right, exactly. Like, you better come here and you better show up and show out. Like, I, yes. I put it in that tone. Like, you better get out there and do something. <laughs> <that> you, <laughs> you better come back with a another job. You better come back with a deal. You better come back inspired. Like, oh, you better no, get over there and, and, and make some magic happen. And no, and they they do. You know, I've had um, you know mentees of mine that have attended. They talked about it. That's actually probably been my first introduction to me knowing you, even if you didn't know me, but knowing about the program. And you're definitely doing that. And what I love about what you're doing is not only are you doing that externally, but you've also done that internally at so many places that you worked. Mm -hmm. um, this makeup of a show is a lot of different individuals, whether it's from art directors, copywriters, people that are in. AI. But uh, my question to you is for other, um, you know, chief diversity officers or DEI leaders that are managers, you know, that are really just kind of getting started. 
what would you tell them about really creating um, and successfully building um, inclusive teams? Because I um, think that you've done it so well, not only, like I said, externally by how you're viewing the world and, you know, bringing people together, but internally. Yeah. You know, internally, I think it really is about and I, I'll take a step back and say what I how I envision the work of DE and I. I think that's really more about the human connection business. And mm -hmm. I think the key to being successful in this role is just to realize that this work is constantly evolving. Yeah. Um, it is not the same. And depending on where you are, what organization you are working with, you have to be um, a quick study of the culture and understand if your community is operating based off of the D for diversity, the E for equity, the I for inclusion, or the B for belonging, like clearly understand the culture so you know how to build a more inclusive environment. Most of the time, most people just want to be seen and heard and identified and know that you care about their particular circumstance. Like learn how to empathize and build community. So it's, you know, set up ERGs, these, you know, employment resource groups, or some of them are called business resource groups, that you're able to allow people to lean into what they are most passionate about things yeah. that they can help to contribute back to the organization. Because I know as a DEI leader, I don't know and live, have the same lived experience yeah. as everyone in the organization. So I count on the community of humans within the organization to help me help them, you know, help me help you create yeah. a space and a better work environment for you. So I think, you know, those are critical things uh, to understand. And, you know, this is a long game type of work. This is not a one hit wonder. You know, it's a series of things that that happen that keep um, this industry going. And, and I think it's a matter of realizing some of the work is um, changing the heart sets and um, mindsets of people that really get the work because we have to create programs that you know, this language you hear all the time, something sustainable. How do you embed this type of work into hiring practices, into, you know, talent development? Are you creating succession plans within the organization so that you don't have to start this work over and over again? But how are you truly training that next generation of people who are, are going to work with, with your group, with your organization? Yeah. I love that. I appreciate you sharing that um, sustainable and also scalable. I think that that's the thing, yeah. you know, the agencies and different places uh, that you've been, you know, um, I don't know how many, if you listen to any of the episodes of the podcast, but um, you know, we call the podcast a dose of black joy and caffeine. Well, because the people that come on the podcast, such as yourself, well, like you're the joy because you bring so much joy to everyone's lives. And I'm, I'm the caffeine because once you get to know me, I could be a little extra at times, you know, hey, they, <laughs> they say know thyself, know oneself, you know, so yeah. it is what it is. But if you could give a dose of anything to our listeners at home, and we're talking about we have an audience of 33K plus, which is marketers, advertising, AI, and, you know, marketers within the Black community, what would you like to give our audience a dose of that you think the industry and or that our listeners need? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I would say, you know, this work, especially as it relates to DNI, um, I would say, you know, keep that energy up. Like, don't give up. 
this work is not ending. It is not going to die. So don't believe the hype, right? Don't believe the hype that DEI is dying because it is not. It is a journey. It is something that ebbs and flows. And even in my own career, I've seen the ebb and flow of the work. Um, try to definitely, as we see their opportunities where, where there are crisis moments, that there's uh, all the, the hoopla around DEI, to stay mm -hmm. committed to it when there's not a crisis moment. Keep building and keep staying committed to the work that we do and love. And, and don't, you know, this is, they say, can't stop, won't stop. Don't, because if you're not still implementing DEI plans and strategies within your organization, your organization is going to die. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll take that. A dose of DE&I and making sure that, you know, you're, you're continuing to move forward. Now, you just mentioned that you came back from the World Economic Forum. I'm not sure. Did you also go to uh, CES as well this year? or? Well, I personally didn't go, but we did have a group of young people um, there who did a dinner or lunch. Yeah, we did a reception with Yahoo. So we were excited to partner with them um, to do a dinner there. So we, I have not had the opportunity to fully, you know, join that crew, but they had a great time. We had a very, some really great intimate moments in conversation. Um, you know, we call it our harvest sessions when we talk about CCDC and, you know, what opportunities and that we create and getting people to join us for the next year. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, there's a, a ton that came out of that, a ton that I'm sure came out of the recent forum that you were at. And so we are, you know, well into 2024, but as we continue to go into the year, are there any trends related to whether that's marketing, DE&I, or, you know, um, advertising the industry that you're like, hey, we better keep a close eye on this, or maybe trends that you kind of catch yourself going down a, a bit of a wormhole on? Um, you know, I, I think it's the idea of when people think that DEI is dying, like, don't believe that. When I say don't believe the hype, I really mean that. Like, yeah. don't. Because that is in a lot of headlines these days. So I understand. That, that is. So don't fall for the okie doke. You know, that's uh, don't get caught up in it. Keep moving. Like, the key is to learn how to ebb and flow and pivot. This work grows and changes. And, you know, a lot of it, I think it's race based in the U.S. in particular. Um, and so people believe that fatigue is real, but it's only you're only going to be as tired as you let it make you. And if we believe again in the human connection work, this human connection business, there's no way we could really afford to let this work die. Yeah, I appreciate that. We'll take that. We'll take that. Now, um, I know that you are an HBCU alum. You went to Spelman and you also worked at Howard University. Um, I was on the opposite end of, the, of that uh, spectrum when it comes to HU, but um, I'm also HBCU <laughs> graduate. I graduated from uh, Alabama A&M University, so I'm a part okay. of the SWAC district. Um, we recently came across the large a massive, shall I say, I think donation and contribution that Spelman University uh, received. I think it's one of the largest donations that they ever yeah. received in history. One hundred million, one hundred million dollars. Yeah, dollars, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, I think uh, given your background and also attending an HBCU, what advice and um, and or I guess would you give to brands that want to really make 
have an impact on HBCUs. I think that it's often talked about, but not only with you attending HBCUs, but also you having an administrative role at an HBCU. How can brands continue to show up for HBCUs to really help them continue to thrive, especially when it comes to the students? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd tell them to be in it for the long haul. Don't, you know, like try to... One-offs. Yeah, don't try to check a box. You know, we, we I think some organizations fall victim to that. Um, and remember that they're more than the top five HBCUs, although I am a graduate of Spelman College and I love my alma mater to death, but there are, I think, 104, if not more, HBCUs. Dig mm. deep and go deeper than those top ones of Howard, Morehouse, Spelman, um, Hampton University. Go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama and go to Stillman College. Go to Marshall, Texas and find wild students from Wiley College. Go across the country and find these HBCUs because there's so much talent yeah. um, in these communities and all they need, and you know and I know, is a chance and opportunity. We just need access and opportunity and you will see how much it just you know, like these young people did to the Can Lions Festival. It brings so much more energy when you're more inclusive of just the spectrum of what, where people are. So you have to go where they are, go where, you know, it's not some of these schools, you know, we benefit from it. It's a social economic thing. But if you go to some of the other schools that, you know, young people can't afford the prices that we have with some of the HBCUs. So go to those schools, tap into them. So you are experiencing the gamut that, you know, our communities offer, whether they're HBCUs or, you know, your Hispanic students that um, they typically, typically don't tap into, but go to where the schools are, where the needs are, where people just need just a chance to be able to show what their skill sets are. And, and I think that they'd be amazed. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I know me personally, I was happy once uh, the BET Black College Tour finally decided to come to our school. No, 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 that's not. Yeah. <laughs> that's only there, I mean, but I think a good point. I grew up in, in Alabama. So Alabama A&M, there's uh, Tuskegee there. There's Alabama State. You know, there's so many opportunities that you can go to so many different places that you can do, go to with some really talented students. You just have to be willing to make the investment and explore, you know, step outside of your comfort zone and that, that box you're used to going to. Oh yeah. And I mean, you know, I think that that's all, that also may be on track with not, not necessarily like a trend or where things are, but even if we think about, I think this year's Macy's day, Christmas parade, Alabama A&M university. Oh, yeah. was uh, marching band there. So um, I love that advice. We love that, um, you know, that charge. And also too, that's what makes you the, an amazing executive that you, that you are, is that you do spark innovation. So I have to be honest, I love an exclusive on the show, but if it's too early to give one, I also understand that as ink <laughs> rise on several of the things you're working on, but what can you tell us about Inkwell Beach that you're kind of cooking up for this year? Yeah, we'll, we'll be back in Cannes, so please save the date of uh, June 17th through the 21st. We will be back there again. Um, applications are online. I think the deadline is March 15th, so please go to our website, which is 
the CAN, C-A-N-N-E-S, diversitycollective.com, or you can check our um, Instagram page and find the link tree there. Uh, okay. We are you know, trying to expand the opportunities uh, for young people. So this particular cohort, we have an opportunity to get AI training with for this cohort. So we know that's a critical thing and sort of the the next frontier, although, you know, AI technology has been around for a while, uh, this is an opportunity for us to learn and take advantage of uh, learning this new way of working. Um, so we've partnered with a group that we're super excited with that as an ambassador, you will have access to AI training as well. So we're trying to e evolve that. So, um, you know, the spirit of creativity that happens at the Can Lions Festival, the idea is that there will be um, a, the, the focus will be AI and technology or AI and creativity uh, bridging those worlds together. I love that. Thank you so much. And, you know, I'm sure that once our listeners hear this, they're wanting to get in touch with you. What's the best way that they can get in contact with you? Um, you can uh, slide in my DMs on, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> on LinkedIn or um or Instagram or any of those places, they can, you know, feel free to connect me. But I'd say LinkedIn would be the best place to connect with me. I typically respond to all of those messages. Awesome. Awesome. Any final words before you get out of here today, Adrian? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I said at the Ad Color Award when I was accepting um, the DEI Executive of the Year, and shout out to Tiffany Warren, you know, she is an incredible leader in this industry. Um, she has been going at it for over, I think, the Ad Color Award celebrated its 17th year this year. But without the platform that she has created to honoring Black leaders, um, you know, a lot of us would not have gotten the shine and do and sort of the, the celebration that we are getting. So I just want to say, you know, shout out to Tiffany and congratulate her on all of this, the success um, that she has built in her career. Um, but what I wanted to say um, is, you know, people often utilize or, or, or turn to the serenity prayer um, when they are thinking about troubling times and what they should be doing. But I'd like to, in which is what I said during the speech, is ask people to sort of take up Angela Davis's saying. It's a, a nice little spin on the serenity prayer. And she says, I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I'm changing the things I cannot accept. Mm. So go forth, my people, and go make some magic happen and just, you know, keep changing. Don't stop, won't stop. You know, this, this movement is continuing. And, you know, say yes to yourself and yes to opportunity and anything that comes your way. I love that. Well, with that, we will leave on that note. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We can't we can't thank you enough. And I also cannot wait to see you in person to thank you because <laughs> we are a pioneer for what you've been doing and doing it so long, which I think is great. Well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. But as always, stay safe, drink a ton of water, and remember <laughs> that you, my friend, deserve a dose of Black joy and caffeine. Until next time. I'm a dude.